The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Well, just like the... 2024 Dallas Cowboys. We are all in here on the Hidden Yardage Podcast. Saul Martin with you, of course. You can find me at Saul Martin NFL on X. And I'm joined, as always, by David Hellman, who is at underscore DH44, all part of your Blogging the Boys podcast network as we tackle through an offseason that's been nothing sort of interesting and given us plenty to talk about here for the Cowboys. And why do I say we're all in? Well, it's because we're bringing back the Triangle of Triumph for the offseason. That's right. Hidden Yardage News. We're going back to Triangle of Triumph, and we're going to rank whatever whatever we feel like, basically. Uh, today, we're going to do some uh, desserts for you, and we'll give it, you know, close to the end. We'll talk uh, what's going to go in the triangle, but it's been too many weeks where we have forgotten about the now defunct, of course, Dayton Triangles. That is the uh, same on us as the keepers of the Dayton Triangles here on the Hidden Yardage Podcast, so we're bringing it back all offseason. Um to end the show with Triangle of Triumph. Before we get to that, though, like I mentioned, David Hellman is with us, and he was all over the coordinator moves last week. We planned on sifting to kind of talking some Cowboys personnel this week and getting more into where this team can actually improve. If you want to read about my thoughts on how the run games could have a huge say in that based on how we saw the NFC Championship game mainly play out, watching the 49ers and Lions run games led by, of course, Kyle Shanahan on one side, calling plays for Christian McCaffrey, Brock Purdy, going to the Super Bowl. I think we covered all of our bases there. But also Ben Johnson with the Lions, which became even more intriguing when he opted to stay in Detroit and further his you know, head coaching candidacy by expecting another big year there with Jared Goff, Dan Campbell, and great for the Detroit fans to be able to run it back in a lot of facets and hope for similar success on what Campbell was building. So that leaves the Cowboys with – Mike McCarthy, which is nothing new. We covered that not only last week, but right after the Packers lost, basically the fallout of it seeming like he wasn't going anywhere despite the noise. They left with Brian Schottenheimer as offensive coordinator, but kind of a last-minute change in the coaching carousel. Defensive coordinator Dan Quinn gets away, finally gets the head coaching gig. Hard to say he gets the one you know, he truly would have wanted. I think this is much more about you know, realizing his window to actually take one of these jobs is closing and it was time to fall on one of the musical chairs. But Dan Quinn stays in the NFC East. We already touched on Kevin Moore being the new OC for the Eagles. So how about that for things to write about in the next uh, season? 
Cowboys versus Kevin Moore twice a year, and now Cowboys versus Dan Quinn twice a year. He is the new head coach of the Washington Commanders. Uh, David, kind of what was your just initial reaction to both sides of this, the commander side of things in terms of where that puts them as a way too early prediction on what they'll be next season and how much of a challenge it'll be to seemingly the top guard of the NFC East, which is still Dallas and Philadelphia, and then a Dallas perspective on you know where they go from here. Well, it certainly makes things more interesting between the Cowboys and Commanders because that's been a fairly one-sided rivalry for the last few years. Commanders, uh, I know they, they've had a couple of wins here and there, but generally they have not uh, really had a lot of success against the Cowboys. Um, so th- this adds a little extra flavor to the rivalry. It's kind of nice. Um, and it's it's going to be a really interesting progression from here um, for what the Commanders look like with Dan Quinn. I know... Uh, unless something changes again, Cliff Kingsbury looks like he's going to be their offensive coordinator, um, which is a very intriguing hire. Uh, for those who don't know, he'd originally agreed to be the Raiders offensive coordinator and then 24 hours later backed out. And uh, as of you know the time that we're recording this, it looks like he's going to Washington. Um, seems like it's probably this one's going to last. Um, so that, that'll be interesting to see how that team looks with, you know, Dan Quinn's style of defense and Cliff Kingsbury and his offense. And, you know, maybe they're, maybe they're making a move for Caleb Williams, who Kingsbury coached this last year at USC. So, um, I, I think it's going to be really interesting this off season to kind of monitor how things unfold in Washington with, you know, a new ownership, a new GM, new head coach, um, and, you know, with all of it happening, like in the Cowboys division, uh, and, and all of the institutional knowledge that Dan Quinn brings with him about the Cowboys, how they operate. And, you know, like it, it, at this point, it feels like it's been a while since the Kellen Moore news to Philadelphia happened. It really hasn't been that long. Um, but like back when when Kellen Moore went to the Eagles, um, you know, my my first kind of thought was, well, you know, he, he doesn't really he's been away from the Cowboys long enough now to this point where. He doesn't have a whole lot of inside information on, you know, on, on the offense and how Mike McCarthy's offense operates. Um, you know, now with a change on the defensive coordinator side, he probably won't have a lot of inside information as to how the defense is going to operate. Um, but, you know, in the case of Dan Quinn going to Washington, it's a different situation where he, he's been there. You know, he knows these players inside and out. He knows how this defense operates. Uh, he, he knows them so well, and he also knows how Mike McCarthy operates, how his offense works. I mean, he was practicing against them, you know, every single day for the whole past year. So um, that will make things very interesting. Uh, I, I'm very curious to see how it plays out. And then with the Cowboys, you know, going from here and trying to fill their defensive coordinator vacancy, um, you know, they're going to start doing interviews uh, Monday morning, and, and we know they're uh, the internal candidates that they're supposedly interviewing are uh, Joe Witt Jr., the current pass game coordinator, who's also been listed as a likely defensive coordinator for Dan Quinn in Washington, uh, as well as defensive line coach Adam Durde. Um, and then also two familiar names, uh, Ron Rivera, which would be interesting because that's who Dan Quinn just replaced. So it would almost be like just a trade of Rivera for Quinn. Um and then also Mike Zimmer, the former Vikings head coach who had been coached with Dallas in a variety of different positions in the late 90s, early 2000s. So we'll see who else gets in the mix for that um, and who else they interview and where they end up going with that. But um, it's, you know, it, it's 
a lot of change happening right now in Dallas. And I think it's very interesting uh, for the last few weeks, we've all kind of been talking about like something needed to change on the defensive side. You know, even if it wasn't Dan Quinn, even if they kept him around, which it sounds like they wanted to do, they were happy to do if he didn't take a head coaching job. Um, you know, they, there were still some tweaks they needed to make on the scheme, especially on the run game side. Um, so now with the opportunity to hire a new defensive coordinator, whether it's an internal hire or an external guy, um, it's going to be very, very fascinating to see what direction they go and and how much of a departure they make from the scheme that they currently had under Dan Quinn. Now, I know this was slightly before Jerry's all-in comments, which we'll try to get to a little bit here, but we were basically reserved as Cowboys fans and those of us covering the team alike to you know this team not being able to use the coaching hiring cycle as something that backed up you know that statement. And I know it didn't happen in that order, like I said, as far as you know, they said we're gonna go all in and then started changing coaches. But we were still looking for a sign that something, anything would be different. You know, it doesn't need a label or a fancy term like all in or carpe omnia. You know, you don't necessarily need these things to realize that this Cowboys team needs change. And now as you pointed out, they're certainly going through it. But Seeing the names that they're leaning towards initially here to hire a defensive coordinator, you know, does this feel forced as far as now that we know, you know, they're supposedly going to take a new approach? We, you know, at the moment we have to believe it and we'll analyze it, you know, each step of the way through this lens of Jerry wants this not to be a rebuild, but he knows that it's heading that way almost no matter what, you know, contract wise in a lot of ways in these next couple of years. The only thing that's going to change is does this core of players get a Super Bowl or not? And he, he wants you know this opportunity uh, to not get passed by once again as McCarthy and goes into a contract year and what that means to Prescott. All oh, that's been said and done. But now that they've kind of forced their way into the having the coaching cycle be part of what can aid them along this all-in process where they have to make a change. You know, is it a good thing that they're going with kind of names that are very familiar and close to the vest, not only the internal candidates, but like Zimmer, who's familiar with Dallas and been around a while, Ron Rivera, who's been around. You know, is it a good thing on the defensive side of the ball to go with experience and proven results as opposed to offensively where the calls for teams that needed a new head coach or for, you know, Ben Johnson or Bobby Slowick, guys who are good coaches, but we truly have no idea how they how and if they do get the opportunity, they'll bear as head coaches, but that's just a risk a lot of NFL teams are willing to take with offensive mind to head coaches to try to get the scheme that's going to be something they can overcome and win a lot of games that way. It's just one direction that teams have gone to quickly, uh, you know, be able to turn things around. Cowboys feel like they're still pretty set on offense, you know, tweaks here and there. The backfield will be a big one as we'll cover this offseason with running back Tony Pollard and Rico Dowdle hitting free agency, although Dowdle being an RFA, but still some buzz that they're going to look to the draft there, going to look to the draft in the offensive line as well. So offensively, things are still moving along, but defensively, do you think it's a good sign or just more of the same and we need to start backing away from this all-in comment already thanks to the fact that they're talking to guys that are very familiar, like Rivera and the Mike Zimmer? Well, I, I think I, I don't think there's necessarily anything wrong with talking with guys like Rivera or Zimmer who have been around for a while and, and, you know, both as head coaches, but also as defensive coaches in general and have had some success and also have had some failures. Uh, I think Mike McCarthy 
is uniquely equipped to to speak to the value of having been a head coach prior and having gotten fired um, and knowing like what that does for a coach. Because, you know, if you think about, you know, Mike McCarthy, obviously he had a lot of success in Green Bay. He won a Super Bowl, but also when he got fired, you know, most people knew they, they might not have agreed with Green Bay firing him mid-season, but they understood why they decided to move on from him anyway. They felt like it definitely was time. Um, and similar with, you know, Ron Rivera, he, not so much in Washington, but in Carolina. I mean, he took the Panthers to the Super Bowl. Um, they frequently had really productive defenses there. Um, he's generally had success in his career uh, and just wasn't able to, you know, sustain it for a long time. And similar with Mike Zimmer, I mean, they went to the the NFC Championship game with Case Keenum at quarterback, uh, I think in 2017. Um, you know, they had several playoff seasons. They had consistently really good defenses. So um, I, I think that when you kind of have the career path of some of these guys, McCarthy knows for from his own experience that sometimes when you get fired, like that can kind of make you take a step back and maybe analyze how you did things and maybe try to, you know, find ways to try and tweak things. And that's ultimately what, you know, the path that they went when they hired Dan Quinn, who was in a similar situation, you know, coming out of his tenure with the Falcons. And, you know, we, we've seen how much he changed his own defensive scheme just from what he ran in Atlanta versus what he ran here in Dallas. Um, so I think there's, there's definitely value in someone who has that kind of experience, has that proven leadership capability. Um, you know, by all accounts, like Ron Rivera has always been highly respected by his players. Mike Zimmer, um, I mean, he generally has a more gruff personality, so he has rubbed some people the wrong way. But, you know, you can find plenty of former Vikings players who, you know, vouch for him and say, like, we'll run through a wall for him. And that's a really important thing to have, especially, you know, if you think about, especially after this season with Mike McCarthy being the play caller, you know, that defensive coordinator is the highest ranking defensive coach in the building. They have pretty much full autonomy over the defense. So Mike really wants to have someone he can trust. And I think um, having someone that has been a head coach, has been in charge of an entire franchise, um, just gives a certain level of trust of like, okay, I can hand the keys to the defense to this guy. I don't necessarily need to be looking over his shoulder, making sure that he's got things right. Whereas when you you know, when you hire someone who's never been a coordinator before, or maybe they have been a coordinator elsewhere, but you don't really have any experience with them. Like, well, now you're, you know, Mike's developing his relationship with that coordinator and maybe, you know, they're kind of learning on the fly. And sometimes that works. Sometimes that's a, a good situation to have when, you know, if, if you're kind of in a situation of kind of building your team or maybe you're already a good team, but you're kind of, you're trying to develop a little bit more. Um, and, you know, when Mike McCarthy first became the Packers uh, head coach, he was in that situation where he hired um, a coordinator that uh, a defensive coordinator that didn't have a whole lot of experience and they had some success. They had some struggles and eventually he made a change at defensive coordinator um, and hired Don Capers, who has been in the league for, you know, forever, had been a head coach before. And ever since then, every defensive coordinator he's ever hired has had previous head coaching experience. Um, so I think that's something that he definitely values is just knowing that they've done it at every level and, you know, maybe they weren't necessarily successful as a head coach, but they at least know what it's like to go through that process and to have 
that level of responsibility to where he feels he can trust them to handle that side of the ball. Um, now that being said, with you know the internal candidates that they're looking at, uh, you know with Adam Durde, he's someone who's been he's only ever coached with Dan Quinn. So one seems very very likely that he's probably going to follow him to Washington. But if he were to get the coordinator job in Dallas, you know that's I think very much a continuity play of like he knows Dan Quinn inside and out, and and that's probably if they were to go to that to go that route, the logic is probably well. Nobody knows Dan Quinn better than this guy, so we want to stick with Dan Quinn's scheme. We're going with him. Um, whereas Joe Witt is someone who, you know, has worked with Quinn the last few seasons, both in Dallas and in Atlanta. Prior to that, he worked a long time in Green Bay under McCarthy, so they have a little bit of a relationship already developed there to where that that trust level could already be developed. Um, even though those two guys have not really called plays before and been the primary defensive coach. Um, there, there's still a level of familiarity be, built up with them. And I think you need to have that in a situation where the Cowboys, whether you call it all in or not, I mean, they're competing, you know, last year they were competing for a Super Bowl. This year they're competing for a Super Bowl. And, um, you know, I, I know every team says, oh, well, we're always competing for a Super Bowl. But there's very clearly some teams that understand their Super Bowl window is not this season. The Cowboys feel that that it is this season last year. They thought it was the 2023 season. So they're not in a situation where they really want to, you know, bring in a coordinator for the defensive side that they're just going to kind of let him grow. They're, they're not in that point. That's kind of why they moved on from Jason Garrett is because, you know, for so long, Jason Garrett was learning on the fly as how to be a head coach and how to do all these different things. And that's why they brought in a guy like Mike McCarthy who has the experience who's been there and who's done that. So, um, you know, if, if, if that's the approach that Mike McCarthy wants to take, um, I understand the the consternation about hiring, you know, Ron Rivera, Mike Zimmer, guys that, you know, have been head coaches and got fired. And, um, you know, I, I understand like the, some of the concerns about that, but at the same time, like they've been successful defensive coordinators in the past. They've, they, they understand, you know, where Mike is coming from as the head coach. Uh, and I think that's that's a really important factor for for a head coach when they're trying to, you know, build everything and trying to trying to get to a point of winning a Super Bowl in 2024. And that's a good point you make about, you know, defensively not having the time to necessarily bring up one of these new trendy coaches that might pay off in the next years to come, you know, personnel-wise. I think that there's enough pieces in place where – the new coordinator to come in isn't going to have to go to the Joneses or McCarthy and say, you know, why well, have basically have to start by scrapping this. I and mean, you have an MVP candidate in Michael Parsons. You have Trayvon Diggs coming back. So, yeah, there's some quirks and some things about Dan Quinn's scheme that aren't going to necessarily translate. And they'll have to really be a student in the draft and free agency to, you know, find some value players there that actually pay off, which is always a make or break thing when it comes to any given Cowboy season and a big part of why. This year fell short given the lack of contributions from their draft class. But I think that's a good point. I was going to ask you, you know, is there a more trendy, different type of name out there where at first Cowboys fans might be saying, you know, who is this? But then they're coming around on it. But I think you're right in terms of trying to line up what this team needs. Yes, on the surface level, we can say this hire is going to be very important for Mike McCarthy in terms of Mike McCarthy picking his next DC is going to make a break. 
his tenure, you know, and his twenty twenty four season. Although we've used X is going to make or break McCarthy's tenure in Dallas and insert the year here every single year since he's been here. But that surface level, I don't necessarily think this is going to be a hire that McCarthy has a ton of influence on. I don't say that uh, out of knowing that you know he doesn't have saying these things, but I just know, you know, Mike Nolan not working out and his initial staff and then bringing in Quinn, where I don't think the synchronization between McCarthy and Quinn was always as good as we all like to believe in terms of just, you know, game planning and continuity, style of play. You certainly saw it all fall apart in the wildcard game, which ends up being McCarthy and Quinn's last together. So don't think that connection was necessarily as strong. I think Quinn as a former head coach was strong in his own rights of being able to lead the defense without McCarthy interfering and then Quinn understanding that McCarthy is going to run the offense and selling up on game day with good individual game plans, but not that cohesiveness to adapt on the fly and just that's why when this team won, they looked great, but when they lost it, they looked equally as ugly in ways where they couldn't adjust and the game was seemingly get away from them quickly, never go back their direction on whichever side of the ball was faltering. So, Personnel-wise, what do you see a new defensive coordinator seeing as the biggest strengths and then the weaknesses for this defense? You know, somebody coming in, picking up the pieces, saying, you know, I'm sorry, I know you guys want to win now, but I need a full year to reset this thing. There's just not enough uh, at some other key spots, like maybe a linebacker or a defensive tackle, to have a championship defense. Or somebody saying, you know, this is just give me a couple draft picks and maybe some free agents and, We'll, we'll get to work on installing this scheme, which is also something I want to touch on in terms of them going into another offseason install for a new scheme and how easy or difficult that may be. But let's just assume in this scenario that you know, the install phase goes great and everybody's in the best shape of their life at training camp and they're going to be ready to play a new scheme under Zimmer, Rivera, or what have you. Is there enough personnel-wise to match that scheme for a coordinator to really make a big difference here in the first year without Quinn? Yeah, and I, I think uh, I think that's part of the conversation of, of having these interviews with these coordinator candidates is, you know, I, I think there's a lot of talent on this defense, and I, I can't imagine that the Cowboys are looking at it. I mean, a year ago, you know, when we were at this point and Mike McCarthy was taking over play calling, um, you know, one of the sound, sound bites that he had that, you know, people kind of got uh, up in arms about was him saying, you know, we're a defense first team. Like we're, you know, we're trying to build our offense around our defense and people were kind of like, what does that even mean? Um, I think it would be really weird if one season later they were saying like, we're going to go ahead and bring in a coordinator that needs to completely overhaul the defensive side of the ball. Like that wouldn't make sense to me. Um, So I would, I, I don't think that they're going to really seriously consider any coordinator that, would say in the interview process, like I need a bunch of new players. And I mean, they do have a lot of talent. I mean, obviously Micah Parsons is the headline player. Um, you've got some really great pass rushers, especially off the edge with Demarcus Lawrence, Sam Williams. Um, and, and we, frankly, we need to be seeing more of Sam Williams on defense uh, because when he has played there, he's, he's been exceptional. Um, you know, Oso Adigizua just had a really breakout season for him. Um, in the secondary, you've got some corners, some young corners who really, really thrive in press man situations. Trayvon Diggs coming back from his injury, Deron Bland coming off an all pro season. Um, 
And so I, I think there's definitely a lot of talent here. Uh, really, the, the biggest issue that this defense had uh, this past season was their run defense and, and not being able to consistently play well against the run. Some of that has to do with their defensive line play. Um, I still don't understand why you draft a you know, 320-pound nose tackle in the first round and then have him drop down to under 300 pounds and play him at a three-technique position all year. As yeah, a it's, it's the first thing the new coordinator comes in and pounds the table about is, you know, as if it's a presidential campaign, is a, is a new defensive coordinator going to run on, you know, give Mozzie Smith a sandwich 2024? Yeah. Like. Bring him to the buffet and, <laughs> yeah. you know, just say, you know, whatever the tab is, we'll cover it. Um, that I think that's like if that's their first line, that's you've got me sold. Uh, I don't know about Jerry and Mike McCarthy, but um, yeah, I, I think like uh, you know, to, to the point though, like there's a lot of talent on this defense, and and it shouldn't be a situation where you have to you know bring in a whole bunch of free agents or you know draft a whole bunch of guys. Um, I think beefing up the defensive line. Um, getting some linebackers that can play a little bit better behind that line. Now, that being said, you know, they lost Leighton Vanderesh to an injury. DeMarvion Overshone was expected to have a big rookie year. He got hurt. Um, you know, Damone Clark was really, this was, you know, his, it was his second year in the NFL, but his first full season, um, you know, because he, he didn't play the beginning, the first half of his rookie year. Um, so he was still doing some growing and developing while being thrust into a larger role. Um, and of course, Marquise Bell, who's a safety was, you know, playing linebacker, uh, all season long and, you know, played well above what the realistic expectations could have been for him. But, um, you know, so even then, I don't think that they necessarily need to add a whole lot of extra bodies at linebacker because you've got Damone Clark, you've got, um, you've got Overshone coming back. Uh, we'll see what Leighton Van Der Esch's situation is with his contract and everything. Um, but I, I think really like just, just beefing up the defensive line again. Um, we'll see where Jonathan Hankins is at, at you know, at this late stage in his career, but I want to see Mozzie get big again. I want to see some, some, uh, you know, more beef in the trenches, um, for, to, to go ahead and stop the run. Um, and then just better run fits from a scheme standpoint. Um, you know, some of the Cowboys struggles against the run were, kind of by design the Cowboys under Dan Quinn have been a pass rush first kind of defense and for the most part it's worked because their offense has been good enough to where the opposing offense can't just run at them all the time to where you know they're they're just going to be burning the clock for themselves and putting themselves in trouble but when you run into those Kyle Shanahan's those Matt LaFleur's who their offense is built around the run then you really get in trouble and that's where we saw consistent issues of you know, Dan Quinn was not able to adjust his scheme against those kinds of coaches from that offensive coaching tree. Uh, and that's something I think is is really interesting about Mike Zimmer, especially. And I wrote an article about this on the site uh, of how, you know, throughout Zimmer's career as a, the Vikings head coach, where he also called the defensive plays, um, he had like well above average results against coaches from the Kyle Shanahan coaching tree. Uh, and and was also had very good results just in general across the board, regardless of the scheme that he faced, but was especially good against the Shanahan coaching tree schemes. Um, so with that being like probably the, I would say the only real weakness of Quinn's defense, 
looking at Mike Zimmer, who has you know a sterling reputation as a defensive coach um, and has had success against this offense that always gave Quinn troubles, um, and also you know due to his age, you know it's not like Zimmer is going to be out of here in three years to be a head coach again too. Um, you know he's in his late sixties and uh, probably is not going to be you know, a, a popular head coaching candidate, even if he has success in Dallas. So um, I look at that and see a lot of positivity around potentially bringing in someone like Zimmer. Um, but then there's also, you know, I mean, he's been out of the league for the last two years, whereas someone like Rivera has been in the league the last couple of years, even though he wasn't calling the defense for all of that. Um, so I, I think, uh, you know, both of them really uh have some things that they could they could offer of value to this defense and and you know it kind of they're a little bit of a fit with the personnel. I think Zimmer is probably a better fit um, just in terms of what he likes to do and how it fits with this roster and the personnel. Um, you're probably going to bring in a few guys on the defensive line, a few guys at the linebacker role, um, probably some depth at the corner position with Stephon Gilmore's contract situation. But uh, I mean, I, I think. I think we're, we're looking at a couple of moves here and there on the defensive side. And if you get a defensive coordinator candidate who says they need more than that, that's probably not someone you want to be bringing in. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Right, so a lot of talk on the defensive side of the ball now for the Cowboys with Dan Quinn. No longer with the team. We'll see if you know, the Cowboys can, as you said, not rebuild on the fly is not the right term, but adjust on the fly to have this defense continue to be a strength or can the offense do enough to be more consistent so they're complementing the defense in the right ways with the something McCarthy is adamant about but hasn't had the run game to do so. Certainly not with Tony Pollard this past season, so that's a big change. So work in progress already, Cowboys, much like our show here in the in the Wagon the Boys podcast network. So make sure you tune in to the NFC's mixtape every Wednesday. That is with our editor, RJ Ochoa, because they will have plenty to talk about more in depth on not only the Cowboys, but you can get more on Kevin Moore to the Eagles and Quinn to Washington, all wrapped up in one show for you there as well as the rest of our shows here, talking just Cowboys and Taylor Swift and what else uh, may be going on here at BTB. So with that, let's get to Triangle of Triumph coming back for the offseason. We're going to just rank three random things every week, and David, we agreed to start off with ice cream flavors. So go ahead go ahead and give me your three. Uh, it doesn't necessarily have to even be in any order, just you know, like a mini Hall of Fame. What, what are your three uh, 
go-to ice cream flavors to make the triangle of triumph. Yeah, and, and I'm glad that we're not putting them in any particular order because, you know, when you first suggested it, I had three that came to mind immediately. And then I was like, thank God I don't have to rank them because I I wouldn't be able to. They're all very much on the same tier in my mind. Um, but for for three ice cream flavors for the Triangle of Triumph, the first one is uh, sea salt caramel, which I feel like is a very classic, almost like distinguished choice. Uh, it, it's just a very smooth flavor. Um, you know, it, it's, I think there's just some level of, uh, maybe it's just all in my mind, but some level of class when I'm, whenever I'm eating <laughs> sea salt caramel ice cream, I, I feel out like I'm out there a little bit as the ice cream opposite of hiring Mike Zimmer of Armour Bay. <laughs> exactly. It, it's not, it's not that I actually am better than other people when I'm eating sea salt caramel, but it, it kind of makes me feel that way a little bit. It's um, not even, but where do you even find that? Like, I know it exists as a flavor, but like, with, like your eyes go so many different directions when you're like, you know, looking at an ice cream board or like in the grocery aisle. Like, I feel like I never see that. I don't know. Man. You have to keep an eye out for it now. Yeah, you got you got to have, have you got to have an eagle eye for it. You, yeah, you really got to be committed. I don't know where to find how to, where to find this. So continue if you're trying. <laughs> um, the 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 second leg of the triangle of triumph. Um, goes to cookies and cream, which I feel like is probably, you know, low hanging fruit, one of the more popular flavors out there. Um, and if sea salt caramel is like the distinguished, you know, the gentleman in the top hat with a monocle, cookies and cream is kind of like the the rowdy frat bro where it's like, you know, it, it's, it's having a good time. It's, it's fun. Um, always a delicious ice cream flavor to have. And, you know, you, you walk into any ice cream shop and you're going to be able to get cookies and cream. And if you go into an ice cream shop and they don't have cookies and cream, that's probably a good sign you should turn around and walk out, in my opinion. Um, always love cookies and cream. And then for the third flavor, I'm, I'm going to go a little niche here and go with specifically a Ben & Jerry's flavor, and that being the half-baked. And for those who don't know, the half-baked ice cream is chocolate and vanilla ice creams mixed with gobs of chocolate chip cookie dough and fudge brownie. And... If you haven't had half-baked ice cream, go out to the store, get it, do yourself a favor. Um, I mean, it's a total sugar overload, but every single bite is, it's, you know, a different flavor in each bite, but it's an incredible combination of flavors. And, you know, anytime I'm out in the store, I have to like avoid the ice cream section if I'm not committed to actually getting the half-baked and then probably eating the entire pint that night. I mean, this isn't a knock on Montana grocery stores, because I was in a good store, but I mean, I think it was just more about being at the end of a long work day, but I was in an ice cream aisle actually not too long before we're sitting down to record this show. And I, didn't, I feel like, did I like take a break from it for long enough to where things pass you by, like, you know, schematically in the NFL? Like, I was like trying to find like stuff I'm familiar with. Like I saw Briars, but like nobody wants Briars, and like the rest of it, I like I could, I got super disoriented. I don't know. It was weird. I need to go back for clear head and like figure out what was going on. But there was a lot of stuff that was not recognizable, and I'm sure salted caramel was in there somewhere, and I didn't see it. But it was an interesting ice cream aisle experience, which brings us to a uh, my triangle triumph. So I'm gonna start. I have a neat one as well, so I'm glad you picked one, and I'll start with it. But there's a chain uh, Sundays that 
I don't know how widespread they are. I know they're back home in my home state, New Jersey, and throughout the East Coast. I don't think they're too far spread from there. But Sundays used to do a flavor called Dark Side of the Moon. And not only is that an amazing reference to, of course, probably the greatest rock and roll album of all time by Pink Floyd, but the ice cream actually backs up you know, the hype that the music reference comes along with it for. And it was like a chocolate base. I think there was some caramel going on in there, like some brownie something. Basically just all kinds of different chocolate things mixed together, but not overpowering where it's like that sugar overload and you know too many like different textures going on. and just smooth uh, chocolate, dark side of the moon, can't go wrong there. My second is going to be chocolate chip cookie dough. To me, that's your top hat and a monocle uh, type of ice cream. It's just solid. You can get it with different base flavors though. Everyone has kind of a different take on it, different sizes of the, the cookie doughs in there. Good in a cup, good on a cone. No matter how you get it, uh, chocolate chip cookie dough there is a solid one, along with Dark Side of the Moon. And then to complete my last part of the Isosceles Triangle, we're going to go with uh, Classic, which is Rocky Road. And that one you know, has more, uh, almost the same, it's almost a hybrid of my other two picks, if you would. It's a little bit Dark Side of the Moon, a little bit chocolate chip cookie dough, but you get some of like a pretzel in there. Or, um, it's never chocolate base, so you can't go on anything chocolate, of course. So. Rocky Road uh, makes my triangle of triumph. It was a close call of a couple other ones. That one, that one's hanging on my bit of a thread, whereas uh, Dark Side and Chocolate Chip Cookie Dough were firmly in the pantheon of the Dayton Triangles. But that is my uh, my three favorite ice creams. I love it, and I I gotta say, Chocolate Chip Cookie Dough almost got into my triangle, so I'm happy that you put it in there. I think for me. Uh, as much as I love chocolate chip cookie dough, every time I get it, my one complaint is there's not enough cookie dough pieces. And so that's like, you know, that, one thing I like about like the half-baked for Ben and Jerry's is they've got, you know, the cookie dough in there, but then there's also some brownie pieces in there. So, you know, the bites where you don't get the cookie dough, like there's still something else to kind of, you know, keep things upbeat and fresh and moving around. So, um, you know, having cookie dough in there, though, is Always a good move. Always a good good get for chocolate chip cookie dough. Very, very good triangle of triumph there. Well, for more random rankings and Super Bowl reaction, we'll be back with you next week here on the Hidden Yards podcast. For Sean Martin at Sean Martin NFL on X. David Hellman with us again at DH44. Follow the Blogging the Boys account at Blogging the Boys. Lots of great work taking in through the offseason coming up. I know it's an interesting time to be talking Chiefs 49ers, but also Cowboys. And then before you know it, every team will be in the offseason. Every team will be in draft mode. And, you know, week by week, we'll piece it together for you along with bringing back the triangle of triumph. So enjoy your ice cream. Enjoy your Super Bowl week. Maybe you'll hear this and decide to add ice cream to Super Bowl party list if you don't have it already right there alongside the nachos and whatever else you got going on. Maybe that'll be next week's triangle will be your favorite uh, Super Bowl snacks as well. Tune in to find out. This has been the Hidden Yardage Podcast right here on the Blogging the Boys Podcast Network.